My name is Jeff Coles. I'm the associate pastor here. It's great to be with you this very first Sunday of 2020. A new year, a new decade even. And that doesn't happen every year, right? Like that only happens every 10, right? I think that's the math on the new decade thing. I have just enough, just enough fingers for that equation. So that's exciting. That's, that feels kind of that feels kind of special. A little disappointed we don't have like Jetsons cars yet. I, you know, I don't know. And I guess we have hoverboards, but they're just not as prevalent as I was hoping they would be at this point. I don't know. A couple of my disappointments, but I won't focus on those things. It's a time of year to uh, make make resolutions. That's something that kind of in the, in the rhythm of our society. That's something that is kind of common. The top. I looked up a. Uh, uh, a survey that's at the top three kind of year after year. It's eat healthier, more exercise, and save more money. Those are kind of the, the top three every single year. Those are the ones. I'm just curious, by, by a show of hands, do you usually make a resolution or two? Who usually makes a resolution or two? Do we have any? Okay, we have a few, we have a few. And then how, do you usually see it through? Does it, does it happen? Does it come to fruition? Okay, a smaller, smaller percentage. That's okay. You tried. You tried. Because I think, I don't know, the rest of us who didn't put our hands up, um, well, I found a meme online that I thought was kind of funny. (laughs) If you don't make a resolution, you won't. So is that like the strategy that most of us have gone with at this point? Just kind of go that way. well, you know, it is, joking aside, it's, it's a good time, it's a good moment to, to maybe set some goals, maybe to reflect. I was actually re- re- kind of reminded of, uh, of Ryan Yoder's talk from our Making Great Decisions series this past year. Talked about setting goals, sharing your goals, writing them down, reflecting on them. It's a good, it's a good thing. And so this, that might be something, that actually, that's, that talk is in our online archive. It might be a good time to go back and look at that one and, and think about what what you're looking for in 2020, what you'd like to do differently. Today, we are going to be launching a new series. We're going into the book of Acts. We're going to look at the Acts of the Apostles. And you're going to see if, you know, the Lord's given me some expectation for this series. I really feel like he's going to meet us as we look through these stories of the early church. And maybe he has something for us in 2020. Maybe there's something we can resolve our lives too. And I, I want to kick off just by giving a little foundation, a little kind of background of Acts. Um, it was authored by Luke, the same Luke who authored the Gospel of Luke, same Luke who was kind of Paul's right-hand man. Um, most likely, Acts was written in Rome. He was with Paul in Rome. And scholarship would tell us that it most likely was written um, between AD 62 and 63. It was addressed to Theophilus, Um, Both his gospel and the book of Acts were addressed to this Theophilus, who we don't really know anything about, but based on the way it was addressed, we can surmise that he was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew of status. He was somebody of rank, of importance, perhaps a a Roman officer or something like that. There's some cool parallels between the ministry of Paul and of Peter. I just grabbed a, a few of them. They both healed men who could not walk. They both healed others. Um, And actually, we're going to look at some of those stories in some really unique ways. 
They both received uh, persecution from the Jews. They both confronted sorcerers. They both raised the dead. Both Paul and Peter, like Christ, raised the dead. Both Paul and Peter were imprisoned and delivered miraculously. There's just some cool parallels between both of their lives, both of their ministries. If you look at the structure of Acts, there's a number of ways you can look at it. It's, I think one of the more interesting ways is in six parts, because there's kind of six summary statements in Acts, and we see this progression that begins in Jerusalem and ends in Rome. Luke actually wrote the largest portion of the New Testament. He, um, the, the primary theological emphasis of the book the emphasis of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. It really begins with Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit, and we see that um, come to pass. We see the fulfillment of that promise in chapter 2 to the Jews, and then in chapter 10 to the Gentiles. There's a lot of references to the Holy Spirit, and kind of the most common language we see is that believers were filled, filled with, with the presence of God, filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke also made it clear that this wasn't a new earthly kingdom that was being established. This wasn't a new earthly kingdom, and it wasn't limited to the Jews. It was for everybody. It was an open-ended invitation to mission. That's really what we see in Acts. I like what Andreas Kostenberger said about Acts. It's a reminder of an unfinished task in the urgency of being identified with the ongoing advance of the gospel of salvation, the ongoing advance of the gospel. And so what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? What's, what's God's invitation for us? What we see from the early church is there was a commissioning. They recognized that God had something for them. They, there was calling on their lives. They were being invited to carry on a legacy. They were being invited to carry on the work of Jesus. It was kind of up to them now, right? Jesus was going to heaven. He was going to be with the Father, and he was releasing his disciples to carry on. And I think it's going to be helpful for us to look at the Acts of the Apostles, and maybe we can relate with them a little more. Because even though Jesus said that we were going to do the same and greater works, I think sometimes we look at those words and we focus on the fact that Jesus was fully God. And we can kind of forget the part about him being fully man. And it's just harder for us to, I think we look at the works and acts of Christ and think, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that. But what about the apostles? Just normal, everyday men and women, right? Fishermen, ex-tax collectors, as the religious leaders called them. They're just a kind of a group of sinners, really. Maybe, maybe we can relate with the apostles, maybe just a little easier. Maybe we can look at them and say, hey, these normal people did these things? Might, might God have something for us? Might God have something more for me in 2020? You know, Christ came preaching the kingdom of God. That was his primary message. It's what he spoke the most about. I want to give an example. I want to look and uh, I'm going to pull out some scripture from um, Luke's gospel thought that uh, as the author of, of Acts, um, as kind of a prelude, it'd be good to pull some stuff out of, out of Luke's gospel. And in the story, Jesus is healing many. All those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. 
and demons also came out of many. So just kind of, you can imagine this scene in, you know, kind of a village and just people are bringing their, their sick and the oppressed are being set free and just quite a moment. And you can imagine that they're not going to want him to go. Like they're, they're enjoying this. And we jump down just a little bit further and, and we see that. It says the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. And you can imagine that, right? Like if this is happening, you're thinking, hey, Jesus, can you stick around? Like this is, this is good. Just hang out with us. Don't go anywhere. Set up a tent, <laughs> right? Do the Peter thing. But Jesus said this, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. I was sent for this kingdom message. This is why I am here and I must take it elsewhere. They wanted him to stay, but he, he was sent for this, this very purpose, this kingdom, this kingdom message. And when we think of a kingdom, I, I don't know, the first thing we might think of is like a, a, a country or like a plot of land, but Jesus wasn't coming to like take over a plot of land. He was referring to a rule and a reign. He was referring to a new spiritual reality. He was referring to a new, there was a new authority that is coming. There was a new authority that was breaking in. Something new had come. Jesus said it was his purpose, it was his message, and it was confronting, it was confronting a current rule in reign. It was confronting a current authority. You know, Jesus referred to uh, the devil, to our enemy, in a number of ways. He called him things like the ruler of this world, the prince of the air. You know, when, when, when Jesus was tempted in the desert, he was tempted with real things. It wasn't like a fake temptation. There was real authority there. In fact, I want to look um, in Luke's gospel just, just about this moment when he is being tempted. And look at this. It says, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be yours. That was the temptation. Do it this way, Jesus. Take your authority this way. There was a real authority that our enemy had. It was a real authority. And I think we have to go back, just jump back to the Genesis narrative just real quick to kind of Maybe grab a hold of that. When humanity was created, humanity was created in the image and the likeness of God, given dominion over creation. So identity, the identity of humanity, image, likeness of God, to be image bearers to the whole of creation. That was identity and purpose established right there for humanity in the garden. And unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't go that well. Humanity basically gave up its birthright for a lie. And the world's been kind of a mess ever since. And throughout history, throughout the mess, throughout the brokenness, we see God kind of desperately trying to, to pull his kids back in. Desperately trying to create a way with, with covenants and you know, sacrifices to deal with sins. And, but none of it was perfect. None of that, it was all just kind of band-aids. 
but it all pointed to what would be perfect. It all pointed to the coming of Christ. It all pointed to this inbreaking kingdom that Jesus was going to bring, start to set things right. And I think as the apostles watched, as they witnessed what Jesus did, they recognized that, that there was work to do, that there were roles for them to play in this kingdom narrative. They, they recognized that they could partner with God. They were normal, everyday people, maybe even some abnormal, everyday people. There's some pretty unadjusted <laughs> biblical characters. Nobody's kind of, God can use everybody. God can use anybody. And I think they recognized, the early church recognized, they, they were writing stories. Our lives tell a story. And there's this opportunity to connect our story, our little story, with like God's big story. We have these little narratives, and God has this meta-narrative that's been running throughout the course of history. And we have this chance to connect our story to that story. There's an author, I like Donald Miller. He wrote Blue Like Jazz, um, which was, it was made into a movie. And in the course of kind of seeing his life made into a movie, he wrote this book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. And he says this in it, if the point of life is the same as the point of a story, the point of life is character transformation. The point of life is character transformation. Doesn't that ring true? Like when we look at this kind of Christian life, is that one of the main points for us? Becoming a little more like Jesus Redemption for the brokenness, beauty for ashes. Becoming a little more like Jesus, the kingdom bleeding in. Rick Knabel talked about that last week. The kingdom bleeding in, transformation. Year by year, decade by decade. You know, I recognize this about my, my own life some years ago. I just kind of recognized I wasn't, the story my life was telling wasn't that compelling. It wasn't a legacy. There was no legacy there. There wasn't anything that mattered there. And I think the Lord was showing me that I had an opportunity to connect my story with his, to, to live a more compelling story, to tell a better story with my life, to tell a new story, a redemptive story. Sometimes I do that well. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I kind of live out an old story. But regardless of any perceived failures or setbacks, I'm, I'm bound and determined to pursue this kingdom of God thing. So it just seems to me to be the, the greatest good, the greatest cause you could serve, the greatest thing you could give your life to. It's Jesus' kingdom message. And as a pastor, sometimes I get to see, you know, the kingdom break in in people's lives. And in those moments when someone is set free, when someone is healed spiritually, emotionally, physically, when, when someone is oppressed is, is, gets their freedom, when, when people have that revelation of identity in Christ and start to do something live with it, to live out a new place, revelation of God's presence, like the first time someone really encounters the living God. It's those moments that I, I remember, like why I've signed up for this and why I get up and do it again and again. It's those moments when the kingdom breaks in, when it bleeds in to the present. So I think that's a little bit of the why. It's important to know why. I know I, I need to know why I'm doing something. If I know why, I'll do it. I need to know why. So what, what's the how? 
What's the how maybe? Well, Jack's going to be taking us through these stories, these acts of the apostles. And I think the Holy Spirit is going to He's going to come with revelation. We're going to see. He's going to open up these scriptures for us. He's going to open up these stories for us. We're going to see how they were empowered. We're going to see what, how the Holy Spirit moved through them. And Jesus said he wasn't going to leave us as orphans. He was going to send us what we needed. Needed to be empowered to see this thing through. I'm going to look at a, a verse from Luke 24 here. Jesus says this, And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He told them, hold on. The gift is coming. The promise is coming. You need it. You're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do this without it. You need the Holy Spirit, but it's coming. The promise I'm not going to leave you, won't leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. I'm sending you my spirit. And that is really good news. We see that come to fruition in Acts, and it's still happening, still happening today. Scripture has this theme of small things growing into meaningful things. You know, it says some will bear fruit 30, 60, 100 fold. Something that starts small becomes so much more. The kingdom of God is, there are so many parables. Most of the parables were about the kingdom of God. There's one, I think probably the most, uh, maybe the most famous, it's the parable of the mustard seed. And that's what, that's what Jesus really, uh, one of the ways he, he speaks of the kingdom of God. Listen to this. What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? Is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew, became a tree. The birds of the air made nests in its branches. It started small, humble beginnings. Remember that Christmas story we just went through? How did the kingdom of God break in? In a child, right? In the most humble of ways. It was small. The kingdom of God, it can be missed. It can, it's, a mustard seed is almost imperceptible but it can become something that blesses the whole of creation. Something small becoming something meaningful. And it's still happening today. The kingdom of God is breaking in. It's bleeding in. Even to the, to dark, the darkest places. You know, whether it's the, the underground church in China or house churches in the Middle East, you won't hear about it in the news. The revolution won't be televised but it's happening. The kingdom of God is breaking in. It's expanding, even in those places. All over our world, the kingdom breaks in. What started with just a few, a ragtag bunch, like a, you know, a dozen, 72, hundreds, thousands, there are millions and millions who have put faith in Christ. All over this world, the kingdom of God is still breaking in. Still breaking in. That narrative is still happening. And God's choice, his plan is to use normal everyday people and abnormal everyday people to use all his people. Who will say yes? Who will seek the kingdom? That's his plan. He uses just people. 
He uses people so we can recognize that we have a role to play, just like the early church did. We have roles to play in the kingdom of God. Acts of the apostles. Acts of, Acts of Windsor Vineyard. Is that a compelling story? What story are we telling? Insert your name, Acts of. Acts of. And if, you know, if that isn't as compelling a story as you want it to be, don't let the enemy come and beat you up about that. Because that, that is what he would do, bring discouragement. No, it's an invitation from God to write a more compelling story to write a new chapter, to let 2020 be something that matters, 2020 to be something that carries legacy. It's an invitation from God. It's an invitation to put treasure in heaven. Matthew talked about treasure in heaven, and so did Luke. I want to look at that in, in, in Luke 12. This is what he says about treasure in heaven. It doesn't fail. No thief approaches. No moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says in heaven, what you store up in heaven doesn't decay. It doesn't decay. It, it can't be lost. It cannot be stolen. It's safe. You know what that speaks to? That speaks to Legacy. Treasure in heaven ripples through eternity. When we, when we partner with the kingdom of God, when we step into those roles, like that ripples through. That tells a story that ripples through eternity. Those stories, those stories matter. And so God just has an invitation for more, for abundant life. He has something more than we could ever even imagine for ourselves. He has something more compelling for our new year than we would have for ourselves. And so in the coming weeks, we're going to look through the Acts of the Apostles. We're going to see what they did and how they did it. I believe the Lord is going to open up these stories to us. And I think that the Lord is knocking on some hearts this morning. I think there's actually there's some excitement even in the unknown of what that could look like, because following God is often, it's, it's, it's going after something that's unknown. He asks us to take a step without knowing, you know, what's coming. We love to know what's coming. We don't really get to know what's coming. We just get to trust God. That's what faith is. We just get to trust God with it. So there's an invitation. There's an invitation to adventure in 2020, if we want it if we'll grab it, if we would be so bold. And so as we are considering New Year's resolutions, if you are, by all means, yes, eat, eat better. That's a good one. More bacon for sure, right? Right? It's one of the ways you know God loves you, right? <laughs> Work out more for sure. Do that. Like get that Nintendo Wii out of the closet, get some bowling, some tennis in. Do that. Do that thing. But most importantly, would we surrender our lives to this inbreaking kingdom thing, to the will of God, your kingdom come. God, your kingdom come. Would we choose that? Would we seek that first? Would we seek that above all things? 
So it's actually, there's, a, there's an invitation to do just that from Jesus, and that's the last verse that we're going to look at in Luke today. Also in Luke 12, it's verse, uh, verse 31. And he's, and he's talking about, you know, all these things that we chase after, all these things that we worry about, what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, all this stuff. Here's the invitation. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Seek his kingdom. The invitation from Jesus is, will you seek? Will you seek my kingdom? Will you seek it first and trust that, like, the dust is going to settle, that it's going to fall where it will, and it's going to, might it work out better than you, you could ever imagine? Might seeking his kingdom first tell the most compelling story? You think about the story that your life is telling, the legacy that you're going to leave, what you would want to be told, like what the fruit of your life would be. Might it be found seeking the kingdom of God first, putting it above all things? Now that, I think that's a New Year's resolution. That is something worth resolving our lives to, seeking first the kingdom of God. So we're going to move into a response time. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. And, you know, there's just a couple of ways that we felt like the Lord kind of led us to just create ways to express, to respond to God's presence. And the first one of those is, uh, it's corporate worship, which is what we're, we can do. We're going we're gonna to sing together. We're going to lift the name of Jesus high together. And here's the cool thing. Like the promise of God is to be in the praises of his people. He, he cannot be separated from the praises of his people. And so, He's about to be here. And when we recognize that God's presence is with us, all bets are off. Everything can change. Nothing is impossible. God's presence is about to dwell with us. Another way you can respond to what God is doing if he's tugging on your heart is to our prayer area. We always have some just trained prayer folks in the back. and That's a great way to respond. Maybe there's something you just need to go speak with somebody and let, let them bless you. Let them bless you. Let someone listen to God for you on your behalf. If you have any prayer requests, whether it's something from, from today or something that you've walked in with, if you need some healing, physical, emotional, or spiritual, I'd encourage you to visit our prayer area. Or the cross, we have the cross back there. You can see there's some sticky notes up there. Maybe there's something to just write down and give to God. There's a burden to just put on the cross. It's time to give. We give during worship and we have communion. We have communion in the front and the back. We have allergen-free over here. And communion's a time to just remember Christ, to remember Jesus and what he did and who he is and what his promises are, to just commune with him. So you can do that. And I have a sense that there's some in this room who are just, you're ready for 2020. Like maybe you weren't that excited about it. Get excited about 2020. What might God do in 2020? What could happen if we seek his kingdom first? It's on your heart. You want to make a difference in a hurting world. 
And so if, if you're feeling that, like that unction, you, you're feeling like, yes, I want to write a better story. I want to write a, com- a compelling 2020. I want this chapter to be a good chapter. I want it to be a God chapter. I'm just going to invite you to respond. As everyone, we're going to worship together if you would stand with me. And if that resonates, I'm just going to invite you to take a posture of receiving. A lot of times in the vineyard, we kind of do that with open hands. You don't have to do that, but just like kind of a, if you feel like kind of just surrendering your heart to Jesus and saying, yes, I want to seek your kingdom first. Just take a posture of receiving. I'm just going to pray pray for us as we move into worship here. So Holy Spirit, we just we welcome you. We need you. Lord, we need your empowering presence. We want to be clothed with power from on high. We need heaven to bleed in. So come, Lord. In Jesus' name, I just release a grace for us to know that you're here, Lord. In unique ways, stirring in every person differently. And we say yes to what you have for us in 2020. Holy Spirit, would you pour out your gifts on your people? Would you come stir our hearts? Yeah, I just, I bind the voice of the accuser. Whatever, whatever work the enemy has had in this room, Lord, I just say, let it be undone in Jesus' name. Would you come with freedom and hope? healing all the goodness of heaven. Just say yes to you right now, Jesus. Come, come Lord and have your way. For more information, visit www.windsorvineyard.church.